Hello, welcome back to Can't Let Go, the NBN podcast where we discuss the news stories and the personal stories from the past few weeks that we can just not get out of our heads. I am, as always, your host, Jacob Lazaro, and today I've got two returning guests, one who's been on the show quite a lot, I bet you can guess who he is, his name is Justin Curdo, to my right, and one who was on the show a long time ago, but she is returning, it's Rachel Holly, everyone. Hey! I'm back! So Justin, as the returning friend of the pod, um, as you like to call yourself, and we like to call you as well. Oh, you don't no. like to call me that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, moving on. Friend of the pod, what's your news story? My news story is something that I have become obsessed with in the past week or two, which is James Charles. Just full stop. To give some background, I don't watch, like, anything on YouTube, so I especially don't watch James Charles. I don't know who Toddy Westbrook is, or I didn't, until everything came out, but... I had, like, heard something about James Charles in April because he made a controversial comment about trans people and, like, being gay but not totally gay because he's into some trans people. It was weird. And I, like, knew he had been, like, controversial before Mm -hmm. for, like, some reason, which, looking back, was the, um, when he said that everyone in Africa had Ebola. Um, (laughs) Um, just to, just to back up a little bit, James Charles is, uh, like, the oh. king of, of, like, YouTube makeup, like, beauty YouTube. I thought it was Jeffree Star right? who was the king, right? Jeffree Star is kind of, like, the king, but James Charles is, like... The other king. He's, like, very... The Prince Regent. ...rising in that world. Well, um, I just want to say I do watch a lot of YouTube, not anything remotely rated, related to makeup tube, though, because that's, like, not my scene, mm-hmm. really. Jacob's extremely but, online. Yeah, I am extremely online. Unfortunately, and also kind of fortunately. It's, it's, it has its blessings and its curses. Anyway, my point is I watch a lot of YouTube, but I've just been watching this, like, James Charles's like, you know, stuff just, like, flying past my head for the past few days, and I have been like, I'm not waiting into this. I don't want to. But now I'm glad you're here, because you can tell me what's gonna, I'm what happens. I'm tell me what happens. Yeah, we're going yeah. deep. Whenever, I'm here to try to... Whenever I uh, tweet something that's, like, too deep into being online and I know no one's going to get it, I'm like, oh, at least Jacob Lazaro will hit the like. Anyway, anyway, this is all building toward he has become, like, super embroiled in all kinds of controversy. So, our story begins at Coachella. Okay. And as, as they often do. What happened was James Charles went to Coachella, and I, the way I heard about this didn't start with the vitamins. It started with this boy that James Charles went to Coachella with. People thought that, like, James Charles had, like, taken advantage of this guy and, like, forced him to, like, do things sexually that, like, he, like, wasn't comfortable with, Mm -hmm. and then James Charles was like, no, 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 I never did that, but then, like, the guy was like, all of this happens at Coachella. But apparently, underneath all this... There was also this moment when James Charles was promoting these, like, gummy vitamin things, and they were the wrong brand of gummy vitamins, because there's this woman, Toddy Westbrook, who has been, I guess, James Charles' like, mentor since, like, he started in makeup, and she's this other makeup YouTuber, and she, like, got him interested in makeup and all that. And she has this gummy vitamin brand, too. Um, to clarify, it's a competitor gummy. Yeah, yeah. And he he was like, no, I just promoted them because, like, they were really helping me with, like, my sleep and, like, being calmer because, like, the security at Coachella was really stressing me out because he's a popular guy. And then that came to a head with this video that Toddy Westbrook makes, like, last week. It's, like, an hour long, it's, right? It's 43 minutes. This is, yeah. this is what I had heard about. I haven't seen the video. I've only read about it. And I intend to keep it that way because I enjoy, like, watching this from afar and just piecing mm-hmm. things together. It's really fun. 
according to her in the video, she's like, I'm tired of having to defend James Charles, and I'm tired of having to, like, lie for him and things like that. And she brings up this, like, taking advantage of guys thing, and, like, along with the gummy vitamins and just feeling overall hurt by him. He has lost, so far, according to this chart on Wikipedia, over 3 million subscribers, while she has gained close to 4 million. And apparently that's a big record for YouTube. Well, to provide a bit of a cynical um, perspective as someone who is extremely online, especially in the YouTube community, you bring up the subscriber numbers, and I mean, that's great and all, but has a YouTuber ever been hashtag destroyed by a scandal? Because, like, honestly, I think no, um, in terms of, like, I mean, there might be, like, one or two, but usually what happens is this well, blows up for, like, a month, they lose subscribers, everybody forgets about it. You know, JonTron still has a big career, he still makes lots of money, PewDiePie still makes, like, a bajillion dollars or whatever. I'm gonna make a prediction that in a month, James Charles will just still be making lots of money as a YouTube person, and everybody will have forgotten about this. Yeah, I'm interested in this woman who puts out a statement... <laughs> I, I just, it's very bold to put out a statement and say, uh, this guy, uh, coerces men into sexual relationships and also committed gummy vitamin treason. On a similar downer note, my news story, um, a few days ago, the Washington Post, um, published this great, long, I guess, I guess for lack of a better word, profile, but if, instead of being a profile of one person, it was a profile of a rural hospital in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma. Those of you who don't know, Oklahoma has, like, a lot of problems, especially in the rural areas. Two of the big problems are that they have, like, no money for their schools, so a lot of rural schools are on four-day weeks, which is, like, what? The other problem is that all the rural hospitals, like, are closing because they don't have any money. So this is a profile about a hospital. It's called Fairfax Community Hospital. It's in Osage County, which is like kind of north and um, east of Tulsa. It's like in the middle of nowhere, basically. And how the hospital is like basically broke and how all the employees haven't been paid for like six weeks, but they're still showing up to work because they all live in the like small town and they really don't want their hospital to just die. And the whole long story is basically like, what's going to happen to the hospital because they don't have any money? Is it just going to close? Anyway... I just read this story and I was like, wow, this is really depressing and healthcare in this country is so messed up. And that was my main takeaway. And that's why I've been thinking about it quite a lot. It makes me think about like not quite the same issue, but like similar like thing that people always talk about in Kansas is that like there are just no doctors in like rural America either. And so like all these like kids who I, like, went to high school with are like, oh, I'm going to go to med school. And people are like, oh, you know, like, that's great. We really need doctors out in, like, western Kansas and all that. Because, like, all these communities, like, don't have doctors and shit. And it's just, like, it's very, very, I don't know, dismal. Yeah. Mr. Ratburn is gay. <laughs> to, to lighten things up. <laughs> he's a gay man. A gay, a gay rat. Um, he's, all, he's now married. Um... As, as of the uh, episode uh, in the 22nd season of Arthur. Uh, One of the best PBS shows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. Ratburn, the special someone. He's um, a husband's of pastry chef? Yes, I, I believe so. A former uh, friend BN, Natalie Escobar, uh, wrote about it for The Atlantic. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Ratburn is gay, and honestly, I, I, like, I, went back, I did a deep dive into the Arthur lore. I, I watched a lot of old videos, I read a lot of Wikipedia pages... Because Arthur is something uh, that has always confounded me. 
the Confounded. Confounded, Confounded yeah. me, yes. Okay. Explain. Um, it's a great show. I love yes. Arthur. So context, um, I'm the creative director of North by Northwestern. I think a lot about art and illustration. The art direction of Arthur is absolutely nightmarish. <laughs> there is no... It is a post-truth aesthetic. The main character of Arthur is an aardvark who doesn't have a nose. <laughs> He's got, he doesn't even have two dots as a nose, he, right? yeah, he, he has, like, a like a Voldemort nose. Like, it's it makes no... Like, the only thing in the real world that distinguishes the aardvark as a, from other mammals is its nose. In that entire classroom, the, the, the main classroom of, of third graders in Arthur, there are only, like, two characters that are distinguishable, like, can be clearly distinguished as the animals they are. It's uh, it's uh, Buster, I guess there's also Mr. Ratburn, who's pretty clearly a rat, and then there is George, who has antlers, and so he's a moose. So the, the Arthur was books before it was the TV series. Yeah. Like, way in the way back time, you know, before the 1980s or whatever. And if you read, like, some of the original, original books, it's like all the animals are, you know, anthropomorphic, right? But they're all drawn realistically. They probably changed the TV show, like, the the aesthetic just because, you know, it looks less kind of scary, and it's probably easier to animate if they all look relatively similar. Side note, anyone, anyone remember Postcards from Buster? <laughs> the spinoff where the spin-off. Buster went to live with random American children for the week, and then it was, <laughs> like, him just animated on top of their live-action lives. That was, that was a great show. <laughs> the, story, the story that Natalie wrote talks about that because there were lesbians in Postcards from Buster yes. in 2005. Yeah, and people got mad about it. Yeah. Oh, I'm it sure was people a very, mad about it. <laughs> it was a very peripheral reference to uh, a bunny couple that had, like a bunny family that had two moms. Hmm. And uh, and uh, people were mad, and now, obviously, I, I don't think anyone cares that Mr. Ratburn is gay. Oh, I'm sure people care. I think less people care, probably, than they yeah. would have in 2005. This Most is, this is from the uh, official uh, Wikipedia page for uh, Arthur. Um, Prunella is a girl of unobvious species. In, <laughs> in 2011, PBS <laughs> said she was a rat, but in 2013, Mark Brown, that's the creator of Arthur, confirmed that she was, in fact, a poodle. Is Arthur Camp? Is Arthur Camp? Like, the idea that Camp puts the... My my favorite bullet from the notes on Camp essay is Camp puts things in quotation marks, you know? Like, it's not a woman, it's a woman. It's it's not a poodle, it's a... a poodle! <laughs> that's, and that's... A, okay, that's it. Arthur's not modern or postmodern. Arthur's Camp. And I say, hey, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. Now it's time, as always, for our personal stories. I will go first because part of my secret agenda um, ever since early April has been to turn my section of the personal stories of my podcast into the Jacob Lazaro Talks About His Bike Hour um, because, once again, my personal story, this this episode, is about my bike. So as many of you know, about a month ago I, I bought a bike and I talked about it on the show because it was amazing and I love my bike. Then, like, a week ago, I took my bike up to my apartment everything's fine. Next day, I get on my bike to go to work, bring it down on the elevator, wheel it outside. I have a flat tire. I'm like, well, this sucks. Probably need to put some air in it, because I didn't know it was flat at this point. So I walk my bike all the way to Allison, pump up my tire. It fills up. I'm like, lit. I ride to McTrib, where we're recording this podcast. Fun fact, by the time I get here, my tire is flat again. So at that point, I'm like, shit, I have a hole in my tire. What am I going to do? At the end of all this, I'm with Justin. I tell him about my woe. He's like, let's look for the nail. So we look for the nail in the bike tire. We find it. We pull it out. We remember where it is. You're so, missing an integral part, which is that you did not know 
that the bike tire had a tube inside, and I told you about that, and then I was like, we can try to tape it up. Fine. Because I know how to fix a bike. Yes, he knows how to fix a bike because he's the the Eagle Scout, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. So Justin helps me. We go to his apartment. I go to Target. Um, I buy the tape. I come back. We remove the tube from the tire without taking off the wheel. We tape it up. Go to the go to Plex. Pump a bunch of air for like an hour. Basically, doesn't fill up. Take my bike home. Order a tube on Amazon. It gets there a few days later. I go back to Justin. Borrow his wrench because I didn't have one because my bike, since it is you know an old kind of workhorse bike, doesn't have quick release wheels. It has like bolt on wheels, so I have to use a wrench to take off the wheels. Since the bike is 25 years old, the wheel, the, the like the nuts on the wheels are like basically rusted shut. So I was only able to take one of them off, which means I couldn't put the new tube on my wheel because I couldn't take the back wheel off. Then I had to take my bike to the bike store and get them to do it, and then it cost me $30 because that was the labor for them to take my back wheel off and put the tube on and put it back together. But all fixed. in all, this took a week, but my bike is fixed. It's back with me now. I'm still riding. Hopefully I don't need any more nails because it was a really annoying process. Watch where you're biking. Yeah, I, I, apparently I need to do that, yeah. This is the most self-indulgent thing that I could possibly come up with. It's, it's terrible, and uh, you should all shame me. Um, okay, well, with that intro, let's <laughs> um, go on with your story. <laughs> yeah, uh, so a couple weeks ago, I had the incredible opportunity to write a story for The Outline about uh, Gotham, which is a mm-hmm. font, which is the font. It is everywhere. Gotham is life. And I wrote that story, and then I didn't really think about it for a while. And then today, Brandy Jensen, who is my editor for that story and mm-hmm. who is uh, Twitter famous, among other things, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> emailed me and was like, I just wanted to let you know, since you're, like, a new writer, the story got 60,000 views. <laughs> wow. Is that a lot? I guess, yeah, in terms of... I, I mean, it's an, for an article about a font, I think that's I, pretty that's, well. <laughs> and that's the thing, is that I can't believe there are 60,000 people who would want to read... 1,500 words about a font. The real thing is, explain to me why Gotham is the best font. It's not the best font. Or just um, a, a, why is it the font of the 21st century? It's, so it's a, a font that, like, really... It's hard to explain this, um, but it really blends in. Um, there are some fonts that uh, become distinctly tied to specific things. Like, if you think about, like, uh, the two examples I give are the font that Apple uses mm-hmm. and the font that Bernie Sanders uses. Mm-hmm. If you saw those anywhere else, you would say, oh, like, that is the font from there. Gotham doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, it has this uh, ubiquity, and so it is everywhere. It is, you, uh, Spotify uses it, uh, Netflix used to use it. Oh my god, I can't even, I can't even think of uh, all the places that use it. Uh, the Tribeca Film Festival uses it. Um, AT&T uses it. It's uh, the Obama campaign used it. Just a, a truly ubiquitous font. I have a story, I guess. Don't we all? <laughs> Everyone has a story, as the Medill School of Journalism, Media, Integrated Marketing <laughs> Communications has taught me. <laughs> anyway, my story is in less than two weeks I will be off campus, and I will be gone for probably nine months. On one hand, I'm very excited because, like... I get to leave, and I'm starting an internship early, and it's because, like, we have this, like, training period and whatever, and it's Are you allowed be... to say what it is? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm working at People Magazine for the summer, and I'm And then he's, excited. and then the fall, he's working at I'm not allowed like, to say that one oh, yet. Shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be public on May 17th. 
I'm leaving in two weeks because I'm going to be working at People Magazine over the summer through the American Society of Magazine Editors Internship, and we have, like, this training period, and then it starts early because it's built around people who go to semester schools. And then I'm going to be in New York for a whole six months because I'm there, and then I'm at my JR at a certain unnamed entertainment website. It's going to be really fun. And then I'm thinking about doing another grant-funded research project in the winter about emo music in the late 90s and early 2000s in Lawrence, Kansas, which would mean I wouldn't be back here until next spring. And it's been a really weird feeling because on one hand, like, I am so, like, done with classes and shit here. Like, I'm in some good classes, but, like, I have this thing in my notes app that's like, here's how many class meetings and how many hours of class I have left of each of these (laughs) for the quarter, which I feel like is something that only, like, seniors do, right? I don't think you need to be sentimental if that's not what comes naturally. Is it coming naturally if I'm like, should I be sentimental? I don't know. True. Mm -hmm. For instance, I'm missing Dillo Day this year. Like, that's dumb shit. That's going to wrap things up for this week and for the year, school year as well. Um, this and all other NBN podcasts can be found on the iTunes store and in the Google Play store and also on Spotify. Go subscribe. Our show's theme is Little Lily Swing by Tritachion, which we use under a Creative Commons attribution license. I'm your host, Jacob Lazaro. I'm Justin Curto, Friend of the pod. I'm Rachel Hawley, acquaintance of the pod. <laughs> and this is NBN Audio. Yeah, Papyrus is probably the go-to camp font.